1: This is now with Dave Brown on AMI. I'm Mike Ross, along with Michelle McQuig and Judy Gupta. It's our Friday news panel. And our final topic to discuss is the state of healthcare. We've talked about it a lot pretty extensively on this show. This week alone, we've been sharing stories about ER and ICU closures in BC, Ontario, and New Brunswick. And findings of a new Angus Reid Institute poll suggest Canadians are significantly less satisfied with their access to health care than Americans. 29% of Canadians reported experiencing chronic difficulty in accessing a physician. Only 13% of Americans said they experienced significant difficulty accessing care. So... Uh, this sort of jumped out at me. Um, I can't say I was that surprised. Um, I'm just kind of sitting here and thinking, okay, um, we're, I think in my lifetime, probably a good 20 years now into discussing difficult access to healthcare, and I've heard all the platitudes and all the cliches uh, from politicians about reinvesting in healthcare, ending hallway medicine, uh, access to a physician, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I haven't seen improvement. And yeah. when I see a poll here that says that 29% of Canadians uh, are dissatisfied with their uh, access to healthcare, I got to say, I'm a little surprised that it's not higher. So I'm wondering how uh, you guys sort of reacted huh. when you saw those numbers. <laughs>
2: I, I actually was surprised the American ones were as low as they were. <laughs> that was my first takeaway. But, um, but yeah, you know what? I, I, at the end of the day, I think I agree with you, Mike, although it's worth, you know, 30% is, is still a lot. Um, there's a lot to, to have difficulty with, I think, um, in terms of. Like you said, the the, the stagnation, these issues have come up time and again in every conceivable campaign, every province, the feds, of course, and you don't necessarily see that much. But, of course, it's all been recently exacerbated and all the issues have been compounded so much by the pandemic. Um, So I guess I hadn't really thought about it in those terms, but I guess I'm with you in that I thought the number might be a little bit higher, but it's still a, a number that I find to be concerning.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a concerning number. Like Michelle, I was actually quite taken aback that the U.S. numbers were so so low. But I think um, for me, I wouldn't make too much of it uh, just because the poll was conducted after two plus years of pandemic, and the pandemic is the straw that broke the camel's back when it came to the healthcare system. There's a lot of stress and strain on the system. Not to take away from what either of you was saying, that there are perennial problems with the healthcare system that have not been resolved. But I think for me, the more interesting comparison would actually be numbers that look at uh, access to healthcare versus numbers that look at the perception of access to healthcare. Because one of the things I one often hears about in relation to the US healthcare system is the horror story about the cancer patient who had major surgery and their family was bankrupted in the process. We have a lot of problems with our Canadian healthcare system. I will not be an apologist for the system, and I am not in support of the status quo. Things needed to change yesterday, mm-hmm. but I have not heard a single account of a Canadian family going bankrupt because the medical bills had piled up, and that is yeah. not a
2: small
1: Yeah. Thing. I strongly
2: agree. And I think it's also worth making a distinction between acute care and more chronic issues when discussing the Canadian healthcare system. I'll I'll let Mike talk, but I'll come back to that. Yeah,
1: all I wanted to say was, uh, Judy, you mentioned the pandemic, and that's a very uh, important caveat to mention. And the only thing I'm going to say about the American number being so low is I wonder how many people polled have insurance, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you've got insurance in the United States... That saves you a lot of headaches. Now, I'm not saying it, it, you can't go bankrupt and, and it's it's not tremendously expensive for some people to have insurance and to maintain that insurance. But I wonder how many people polled had insurance versus didn't. Because if you don't have insurance, I mean, it's not even a question of having difficulty accessing healthcare. You probably don't have health care, right, unless mm-hmm. it's it's an absolute dire emergency situation. And even then, uh, you know, I've, I've we've all heard horror stories about people being, being asked for their insurance card as they're lying on a table in, in an emergency room. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the, the big one for me. And we've seen this through, uh, through COVID is emergency access. And em, you know, that the emergency rooms that are just absolutely overrun. And yet I think we're missing the boat big time mm-hmm. When we have the ability to have what, what I have in, in, in my town of Ajax and many places uh, in Ontario and, and across the country have urgent care clinics. I don't think we define well enough what should be treated at an emergency room mm-hmm. versus an urgent care clinic. And I would love to see a, a, a sort of a re-examination of the model and more investment into urgent care clinics being run 24 hours a day And sort of diverting away from an emergency department things that could be taken care of at an urgent care clinic. That one, like like to me, that's kind of low-hanging fruit, and I don't understand why we haven't dealt with something like that before now. Michelle?
2: Yeah, I mean, that is definitely... Um, A very pressing concern right now with all the ER closures that we've been seeing over the summer in a number of different places. Another one that I find is is coming up with increased urgency now is a lot of rural care and models for delivering rural care. You know, we've seen community health team kind of models where various professionals cycle in and out of the community more regularly rather than having uh, specialists who live on the ground in some of these places. Um, a, A lot of those conversations are Happening now, but as you pointed out off the top, Mike, uh, conversations around healthcare can go on indefinitely and don't necessarily need lead to immediate action.
1: Yeah, and, and that's why I would say that you know the, the last question that I had was, how do we feel about the future of healthcare in Canada? And like I. I don't know how to feel about it. Like I, I, I don't even. Other than, than than disappointment, I don't know what else to say about it right now, mm-hmm. because I just feel like the, the the tires have been spinning on the whole question of healthcare for so long. It feels like like can we ever get out of this rut? I don't know if we can, and so so the the future for me is is kind of cloudy kind of murky and and i feel like a lot of people are are in that same boat wow hard to believe three segments have come have gone it has been fantastic talking to you both uh some great topics here today thank you both for the subjects you brought forward and thank you for the conversation today really appreciate it
0: thank you thank
1: you Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on AMI TV.
0: This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.